Hey, this is Chelsea. And this is Catherine. And And we're we're talking about the no-nos. We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience. And should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. And today's episode is we're going to be talking with Brandy about her story of living with rheumatoid arthritis. I'm really excited about the quotes that she sent for her quote bomb because they're Brene Brown. Brandy's a quoter. I love Brene Brown. And so she sent two possible quotes and I was like, we're going to read them both because I like them so much. So... The first one is only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of light. And the second quote is owning our story and loving ourselves through the process is the bravest thing we'll ever do. Great picks, Brandon. I wish I had like the bomb sound effect. <laughs> I have to talk to the producer about that because I just I did feel it like it needs it. Yeah, I just did it. Um, so, Brandy, before we get started, I need the world to know something about you. <laughs> Brandy is the first person. I never even knew this existed until Brandy. But Brandy walks her cat on with a leash. <laughs> it's true. And I it's, feel like I've seen that before. You guys, I've never seen it. And it's literally, I can't ever get over it. I love it. It makes me love Brandy even more than I already loved her, which is... Hard to do. <laughs> he just, he thinks he's a dog. So in all fairness, like whenever I come home, he greets me at the door and he's just like, meow, 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 until I take him out. So we, we Is have... he typically inside for the day? Yeah. Yeah, he's indoor I just only. feel like he the needs world to get needs free spirit to out. know that Brandy walks her cat on a leash. And I never knew that was a thing. And I loved it so much. Also, in my defense, I was just letting him go out. Like, here's the open door. Go explore and then come back later. And at the apartments that I live in, they told me that it's a leash only policy. And I was like, but even for cats? And the apartment manager was like, yes, all animals. So that was like what precipitated me actually buying a harness and taking the cat out. Okay. But I, I wouldn't still, have thought of it on my own. You just like really want to be thinking about her walking the cat. No, because lot, we right? Marco Polo a lot. Okay, and she's she always shows you the cat. She's always Marco Poloing back at the end of the day while she's walking her cat on a leash, and I love it so much. Anyway, sorry, I know that took a real turn there, but I just feel like people need to know that about you before they hear your story <laughs> because it's really they one need of my, to get that picture. They in their need mind. to know mm-hmm. that Brandy walks her cat, and I love it. But it really, thank you for coming on to our podcast, Brandy. You're welcome. Um, so we're just going to get right into it. Um, so for people out there, as as myself, before we even mm-hmm. started like preparing for this podcast, first, I want you to just kind of ex- give the definition of rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. So rheumatoid arthritis, or you'll probably hear me call it RA a mm-hmm. lot, um, is an autoimmune disease and you have a genetic predisposition an environmental trigger, and then you just kind of get it. So there's not like a super clear definition of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, genetic predisposition, environmental trigger. And then of course you're diagnosed by um, going to the doctor with like clinical symptoms. Usually that would be like joint pain, Mm -hmm. um, swelling, redness, 
um, they can do some labs, they can check out some things and give you a definitive diagnosis that way. Thank you for that. I, I, had, I didn't know it was an autoimmune disease at all. I so, really didn't know. So I know typically, often with autoimmune diseases, a lot of times people get a misdiagnosis and a misdiagnosis and a misdiagnosis before they actually figure out which the correct diagnosis is. Is that common with RA or is it um, on a spectrum of being a little bit easier for them to diagnose um, quicker, like correctly? Um, I would say a little bit of yes and no, okay. which is kind of always the answer sure. when you're talking okay. autoimmune. Yeah. yeah. I just know so <laughs> yeah. many people like, that have had so many misses before they actually get to the thing. And it's just like really difficult because... Yeah. It's kind of like you're almost diagnosed by eliminating other things. Okay. Right? Okay. That's a lot of the autoimmune diseases mm. is yeah. like, okay, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this, and now we're left with this. Like, here you go. Yeah. We're going to give you this one. That's got to be kind of like irritating. Mm. Like I, a lot to go through just to find out what yeah. the actual yeah. cause is. Yeah. My experience was a little different because I was 11 when I was diagnosed. Mm. So because I was so young, it was such an odd symptom for a child to have to be like, oh, my hands are hurting every morning when I wake up. And of course, you kind of go through like the usual, like, mm -hmm. did you sleep on your hands? Did you play tetherball? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? And I couldn't tie it back to anything. Mm -hmm. And so we just happened to mention that when I went to the, um, I had an allergist that I was going to because mm -hmm. I had frequent sinus infections. I was kind of always a little bit sickly. Um, just not super healthy. Um, and so when we were at the allergist, we just like mentioned it like right at the end of the appointment, my mom was like, I don't know if this is anything, but just in case, like mm. she's telling me that her hands are hurting when she wakes up in the morning and that kind of like, he acted right on that and hmm. like looked at him, said, I'm going to add some blood work. Even if the blood work doesn't show anything, I still want you to go to children's. I want you to see um, rheumatology and just kind of be mm. sure about that. So I was lucky in that it was very quick. So, Brandy, what was kind of going through your mind at 11 years old when you got this diagnosis? Well, I'm pretty sure I didn't even really understand like what yeah. any of that meant. And there wasn't a lot of discussion. Um, I mean, I had time to like ask my doctor questions when I was like in the exam room and questions like, well, what does that mean? Like, what am I going to be like in a wheelchair? Am I like, am I going to die early? Like right. some of those were the questions mm -hmm. that were coming up. And pretty much um, the answers were more like, we'll have to wait and see. We don't really know. Wow. Yeah. Were you like, did you remember feeling scared in that moment? Were you like, oh, there's something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think scared. And I think... Um, I know it's going to sound weird, but like even a little bit defective, like, mm, no, like I did something wrong mm, or yeah. like, why is this happening to me? Right. It's not happening to anyone else. I know kind of like trying to make sense of it. I guess my 11 year old brain was trying to make sense of it. And of right. course, at that age, you kind of still think everything is like about you right. or because of something you did or said. Right. Yes. Like the idea of we're really good uh, storytellers, but we're terrible interpreters as children right totally yes. yes so then what then like all the different kind of developmental stages like how did that change mm. okay so like I remember specifically in junior high so that was kind of like fifth grade sixth grade when you're mm -hmm. 11 and so going into junior high that then meant that I had to like sit out of PE and not participate in anything that had like you know physical 
activity or where I could essentially injure myself. Mm. Um, and I started feeling really tired all the time and having a lot of pain. Um, and so that was also kind of isolating because like junior high, like all the girls were going to Claire's boutique and like walking the mall <laughs> oh, and man. like Claire's strolling around. Back. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I wanted to go, but I actually like physically couldn't after mm. being at school all day. I was just too exhausted. Like I wanted to go home and take a nap. Mm. Yeah. So I would say that was kind of like junior high was just a little like more of that like disconnection and isolation. And then as I went into high school, I kind of like had this like brain switch where I was like, well, this sucks. Like yeah. I'm I want to be with my friends. Like I want to do these things and I don't know how to do it. And so in my high school years, I just said, well, if they don't know what's going to happen to me, if I could be in a wheelchair, or if I might have this like shortened lifespan. Mm -hmm. Maybe I better just like live like there's no tomorrow mm. and live just kinda it up. Go for it. That was kind of the the motto in the jam. And I think I I like accomplished that. Like when I look back on it now, I mean, like I'm closer to 40 than I am 30. So it's had some <laughs> years there for reflection. And I think I was just kind of learning how to like kind of disconnect from my body, mm. you know, kind of like put, I don't know, people say mind over matter, mm -hmm. but like. I think that really includes a disconnection from your body. So when you were saying like, I couldn't go because I felt tired and I was pain, will you kind of explain just what it feels like the best that you can say to someone listening that doesn't have a understand? Like, what mm -hmm. is it? Because we kind of talked about this earlier about like, it's like an invisible like, yeah. thing. And so kind of explain like when you were like in junior high, like how were you feeling like exhausted? Yeah. Um, I, like your joints were hurting. Like it kind of explained what, how it like physically affected you. Yeah. So really, really, really tired. Like to the point where my mom would have to like pull me out of bed in the morning because she could come in like five different times and I could go back to sleep five different times. Mm -hmm. and so it's like fatigue. Super, super bad fatigue. Like you were never mm -hmm. rested. Even if you slept for 12 hours the night before, you still mm. like wanted to stay in bed and it was difficult to get up. I would say primarily the pain um, in the beginning was mostly in my hands, okay. which is weird for juvenile onset. Usually juvenile onset is like the larger joints. Huh. And so I always presented like adult onset, but as a juvenile. Hmm. Okay. So it was kind of an interesting case, I think, in that regard. And if you think about it, like you use your hands all day yeah. long. So like you're in class and you're taking notes mm. and you're having to like zip up your backpack and put it on your back and you're having to do all these like tasks Eating. That you don't think about. And like each one of those was painful. So by oh. the end of the day, it was just like, I don't have anything left to give at all. Mm. Oh. I wanted you to kind of expand on that for like people listening that don't possibly that don't know like what that actually means or like what right. that feels like. And even me, like I even listening to that right now, and I'm not sure of exactly of like exactly how you feel because mm -hmm. I know you, you're my friend and you do do a million things and I don't even <laughs> think about it. <laughs> and it is good to know like, oh, no, like this is hurting her. Mm. And that's good to know as just a friend. Mm -hmm. Right. And just like a good reality to know for people to know. So, so I wanted to have you kind of speak on that a little bit. But besides that, just trying to be a normal junior high girl, 
mm-hmm. and high school kid and like fit in like everyone wants to fit in yeah. and keep up and whatever so go to claire's go to claire <laughs> i went to claire's all the time i got a lot of piercings at claire's which is a really bad idea <laughs> don't do that that's another episode <laughs> i love that you said claire's though because <laughs> you know it was the place north it county fair it was yeah. the place that's <laughs> really true so with that being said like saying that you know talking about like your limitations and stuff like that what um boundaries have you had to put in place for yourself or what Mm. lack of boundaries was going on that made it worse I would say that um as I kind of took that attitude of like let's just go hard because we don't know like what's the the future might hold I um you know, disconnected from my body. And I was like, I'm just going to push hard. I like went to nursing school, graduated, became a nurse, like started working in, of course, like all of the like worst departments. Like if you have a physical disability, maybe you should be in like a primary care office. Not to say that you should, but like that might've been easier for my body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh no, let's work in the emergency room. Let's work in the ICU. You were still going hard. Let's just keep going. And so it was, yeah, I think exactly right. Going hard and not listening. And so in my late twenties, um, I, I just hit the wall. Like I just became so sick that it was actually unsafe for me to continue to practice as a nurse. Um, I remember one of my managers sat me down and she was like, so if there was a code right now, like, could you run it? And I'm like, well, mentally yes I could she's like could you physically run it and I was like "Mm." if I I mean I would try my hardest but like I would probably hurt myself Mm -hmm. just trying to like save the patient right and that was kind of like the light bulb moment which I had kind of known that was coming but was trying to avoid it like Mm. just keep going keep going keep going and so that was kind of the moment when it all just became real that I had to stop And that was um, 2011. And so I had to go on state disability and wasn't able to work anymore. And just, it was like the longest flare up I've ever had, which was about five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Surgeries, bone infections, pick lines. It was all kinds of crazy nonsense, which I mean... Looking back on it now, I'm like, well, yeah, if you push your body that hard for that long. yeah. But at the time, I wasn't really like noticing that that was what I was doing. So I was just like, oh, man, I'm really sick. And I mean, it was still true, but it was just that um, that go, go, go mentality. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to kind of lose it all in order for me to understand how to like stay connected and how to still have a life and have a life that has purpose and meaning. Right. Um, but maybe do it in a way that's a little bit easier for my body. Right. So, like that you you have limitations. Yeah. yeah. I had to accept that I had limitations. Exactly. Yeah. So what did, because you, you keep mentioning the idea of disconnecting from your body. Um, what did reconnecting then mm-hmm. kind of look like for you? Yeah, I, it was, it's a process and mm-hmm. I still have to like be active in doing it because I think, Um, Since I learned that so early on, that's kind of my go to. Mm. Like, I'm super. That's like the autopilot. I'm super good at just like containing it and putting it in a box and putting it on the shelf. And like, I'm raising my hand, but you can't see. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's a process. And I have to just like take time intentionally and like have practices where I am checking in with myself. I am checking in with my body. I'm 
like going through the list, like, did I do anything like kind for myself today? Am I allowing there to be room in my schedule for breaks? Or am I just saying yes to everyone else, which means I have to say no to myself? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. I think that's huge in so many areas. And I, I love that you talked about some of those steps because I think they're really, really beneficial. And especially as you're talking about, you had asked about boundaries, Catherine, because yeah. I think one of the most key things about boundaries is the idea of self-boundaries. Totally. Right? Of like, because that's all you can really control is yourself. So it's like, what are those boundaries for myself that are, and boundaries are loving and they're like intentional and therefore are good. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you you have things that you go through to stay connected. And I can see how when you're younger, especially like not wanting to put have boundaries, like mm-hmm. just wanting to be like, I don't want to go to Claire's with my friends. <laughs> Sorry, I keep bringing it up, but it's just like walking your cat. I can't get over it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see how that would be something that a kid with this, mm-hmm. right. Isn't that's not there. I need to put boundaries on myself. Like, no, yeah. you're just wanting to do all of the things that all of your friends are doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I could totally see how it would take a burnout Mm -hmm. To realize like, oh, no, I do have limitations. Yeah. Right. And I think that voice of judgment, too. Right. Like we all have that inner critic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's like something that is strong. If you know the Enneagram. I know. I I was like, can we talk about the Enneagram? I looked over at you. I know. I was like, she's going there. (laughs) If the guest brings it up, it's allowed. Okay. Oh, thank (laughs) you for permission. The assassin will back off. I am the Enneagram assassin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But one is like, that's what they're known for, the inner critic. I mean, or the nice way is calling it the reformer. But Mm -hmm. I think I do have a really loud inner critic. And Mm -hmm. it's so loud that sometimes I don't even notice that that's the inner critic. Right. It's like you kind of just mistake that as like you think you're perceiving reality. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, wait, hold on. Is that really true, though? Like you have to learn to start questioning those thoughts that you're having instead of just taking them as truth. Like, just for example, if it was like, you know, you can't keep up with your friends, you can't go to Claire's, it's like, ah, I'm just so weak, or why am I just so tired? Like, mm. you should be able to do this. Right. I remember we were talking earlier, I think just like about doing this podcast, and you were telling me that you didn't even realize that it was like a disability or something in your life until like your 20s, didn't you say that? Yeah. 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 It wasn't until like... um going to nursing school really that then like that was when I started to have to like learn other ways to do things like simple things like they teach you how to start IVs and like I didn't have the hand dexterity to do things the way that they taught it and so I would have to like go through it with my instructors and say like I'm not going to follow steps one through ten but can you just watch and wait until the end make sure I stay clean or sterile whatever the procedure was Um, and then let me know if that's going to be okay. Cause I just couldn't do it the way that other people were. And so Mm -hmm. that was kind of when you were, that was your first time you realized like, oh, I have like limitations or. Yeah. I think I just saw it as like something was wrong with me. Yeah. All the way up until that point. I feel like that was, I really remembered that when you told me that, like, I never, wow. Yeah. That was like impactful for me to hear you say like, I didn't even realize it until I was like in my twenties. And I think that that's good to know for kids like we're just kids kids Mm -hmm. don't know those things that a lot of times adults think that they know yeah and you're like yeah I didn't know like you probably went to nursing school because of Mm. you know like 
seeing nurses a lot or whatever is that? Growing up in the doctor's office and also like wanting to understand what was happening in my own body. And I don't even know that I had that in mind when like I initially enrolled, right. but like on reflection, I'm like, that's totally what I was doing. Right. Mm. Right. Totally. I just think that that was, I wanted to make sure I brought that up because I thought that that was a good thing for people to realize like kids don't think like we think they do sometimes. Mm. Yeah. And you don't even realize that like, reasoning. The reasoning where you're like, oh, mm. oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or you know what I mean? Right. So, um. I just that just popped in my head and I wanted to talk about it. I think, um, too, just like being a little bit in survival mode, like when like you're getting things like a diagnosis and I was raised by a single mom and there was two of us and she had two jobs for at least half of my life. Um, so that like kind of limited like my understanding of things. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you're just surviving, you're not you're just kind of trying to accept and move through mm. and like keep doing what you need to do. Like you have to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to function in that space that you're in. Right. Yeah. So you're not really like thinking about thinking. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of having to move through it. And maybe it's not until much later that you actually start making some of these connections. Yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. For sure. So with that said, going back to boundaries, what, are some of the boundaries that you have put in your place that you have put in place today that help you just so if somebody's out there that's listening that is doing the I'm going 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 hard kind of like you were mm-hmm. like what were some of the boundaries that you have put in place that have been really helpful for you to be able to live your best life Brandy <laughs> <laughs> so I I really think it is that practice of self-compassion and like really checking in with myself and with my body and asking myself like what do I need? Like in a situation, what do I need? And not always going to this like others focused or this place of like judgment or lack. It's just kind of asking, what do I need? And then finding a way to try to give that to myself. And so like, for example, um, what does that look like? Like, say you're having a week that you're feeling really exhausted. Mm -hmm. What, what would you do? Like, so if someone's listening and they're like, I, I feel that way, but what, I don't know what I would do. So what are some of the like specific things that you do? Like- I think I think scheduling the time ahead is like the prevention is always easier than like the going backward and trying to like mm. recover is mm. especially when it comes to like having a physical disability like you're just mm-hmm. you're you're working really hard uphill at that point right. and so it's better to kind of have those like practices and I have to exercise, I have to move my body and that actually helps me even like with my mood and like mm-hmm. like thinking, like it just kind of clears some of that energy to like move through it. Um, so hiking, I do a little bit of yoga, I'm not very good at it, but I do it anyways. <laughs> and then taking the, like the time to actually schedule, like, so not stacking my schedule where it's like literally one thing to the next right. to the next, like purposefully. Yeah. Knowing that like you can prioritize and like push this, you know, thing to next week or you can maybe it's not ideal, but like I'm important. And so it's important to put me on that schedule. Mm. Right. And I think you were telling me earlier, too, like you don't like in the morning, you feel like you have talk talk about that, like in the morning. That's what I want people to hear. Yeah. That if someone's like, hey, my friend has something similar, like giving people a better understanding of like giving them grace and things or like allowing like, Hey, like, um, they need that, like me not pushing them 
Mm-hmm. If I'm like a go-goer and I'm like, come on, Brandy, let's walk the cat together. <laughs> I don't care how tired you are. I do want you to go walk. I want to walk the cat so bad. Come over I think anytime. So my, my daughter does. No, but I, I know earlier you were saying um, that the morning time for you is when you are in the most pain. And so you try and like not schedule a lot in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like yeah. I want someone that maybe isn't so good at setting self boundaries to learn kind of actual yeah. things that you do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I chose a profession where I can kind of set my schedule a little bit, at least for my second profession. profession? Nurses <laughs> yeah. don't get to set their own schedule. No. But um, I chose one that I could kind of do my own scheduling, start a little bit later, um, you know, schedule it myself so that I do have at least 30 minutes like between appointments and um, just really trying to stay ahead of things, like I said, instead of trying to like catch up later because catch up doesn't ever really work. Right. And you were saying, will you talk a little bit about triggers and like what that looks like, what that has looked like in your life? Trigger. Am I saying that right? Okay, when you For have like a, a flare up, a flare up. Sorry, about? that's oh. what I was trying to say. I was like a trigger, like somebody <laughs> said like, something. I know. I was like, because wait, that sounded wrong. Yeah. People f- do say things. So but. a flare up, because um, I never, I didn't know about the flare up situation, okay. and yeah. so kind of explain the flare ups, because kind of what you're saying, like if you're not giving yourself a lot of self care, mm-hmm. your flare ups, it's harder to get back to health yes. once you're in a flare up. Yes. And so everybody kind of has like a different like cycle as what I call it. Um, and mine tends to be pretty long. So like I can do pretty well for like seven, 10 years. But then if I push too hard, it's like that accumulation of pushing mm. that then I end mm. up in a flare up that can last like five years where it's like, you know, that was what happened, um, you know, after being a nurse and realizing that I'd pushed for like probably 15 years going Mm -hmm. that hard for that long. And then that was when I couldn't, there wasn't really anything I could do other than literally not work and just make everything about my health and my healing at that point that I could. Yeah. I wanted to know that was new to me too. Have you ever heard of that? Flare up? The flare ups that it was that long. And I, like she was saying, I know everyone has different cycles. So some people can have, and depending on like different autoimmune diseases and stuff, because typically that's what flare ups are associated with is my mom has different things can just, it can be different for everyone. Right. Sometimes it could be short or it could be really long or right. Sometimes a flare up can kind of go into almost like another autoimmune disease as well, just Mm -hmm. because the body has like, has isn't functioning in its immunity well. So. Well, I'm glad I'm the only one that doesn't know anything for the other people out there that yeah. don't know. So I'm asking the hard questions. I, I do know, Keep going, I'm, like, I'm one of those people that when I hear like, about something, I like research it. No, I'm just and, teasing like, look, you. So, so I'm like, I kind of have has, some awareness. My mom but. has fibromyalgia. And so she'll say a flare up yeah. mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, And like, they're usually like a week or two or something like that. So I am familiar with the word. But when you were saying like seven years or five years of being mm-hmm. in a flare up, um, to me, that's like, oh, yeah, you need to learn your boundaries yeah. and like your self-care to like because it's not just a couple. Not that a couple weeks doesn't isn't terrible, but five years, seven yeah. years is in pretty intense. Right. It's a reality check for sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um. So going into the next question for you, Brandy, um, what insights can you give people to just help better understand what you're going through and you've kind of said a lot of that mm-hmm. already or just better support you yeah i'm mm. really curious so yeah like kind of your insights on 
how people can support others with um, RA or just another um, like invisible disability that we're kind of mm-hmm. talking about? I think the main thing to remember is that everybody is different. Mm-hmm. And so asking them, how can I support you? Or what can I do to make this easier or better for you? Um, Because sometimes like I catch myself and I'm not even asking myself that question. And so Mm -hmm. I just know how uncomfortable I feel in that moment or when we're talking about doing this thing. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good question. Like, for instance, my friend, you know, um, her four year old wanted to go to Disneyland Mm -hmm. and I was very close with him. And so I like I was like, yeah, I want to go. It's his first time. Like, I want to be there. I want to experience like, it. Yeah. yeah. See it through a child's eyes. Right. Like, yeah. so I'm, I'm tr- thinking about going and I'm like, oh, how am I going to like stand in those lines? And how am I going to like walk around all day? Like, I don't know if I can like physically handle that. Like, even if I went and took breaks like on benches, I still don't think that I would make it's it a through lot. a day. It's a lot. Yeah. So I was like, OK, well, realistically, I need a wheelchair. But then when I'm thinking about being in a wheelchair, I'm like, oh, this doesn't really like, I don't know. I mean, not that there's nothing wrong with it, but you do get people like looking at you and kind of asking you questions like, oh, what happened? Mm -hmm. And you're like, "Mm, nothing happened. But the most helpful thing in all of that was that my, my best friend was like, well, what would, what would make it easier for you to sit in the wheelchair? Because that's like the best way for you to go. So what would make that easier? And as we just were having that conversation, it came up like, well, what if he sat on your lap? Mm -hmm. Like, what if he was like a part of being right there with you? Like with that. And I was like, yes, because then it's like, yay, look, we're in the wheelchair. Like it totally reframed it from being like a major bummer to like, yeah, somebody's going to have to push us and we're just going (laughs) to sit in this chair and we're going to love it. Like. Oh, that's a good friend. Turn around. Yeah. That's a really good. I love that answer. Like asking people, how can I support you? Because you're absolutely right. We're all, even if somebody has the same thing as you or struggles or whatever, it doesn't mean they're the same person as you. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that they feel supported the same way that you feel supported. And so just simply asking like, how can Mm -hmm. I support you? Or like, how will this, how can I make this better for you? And your friend, that example is so sweet. Yeah, because it was like a, a 180, friend. like from like being like, oh, to yay. Because, ki- yeah. I mean, kids love being in a wheelchair yeah. or anything. No, They'll make my anything. My kids love riding in their great grandmother's wheelchair, yes. you know, who they're with <laughs> all the time. Like, they're like, yeah, like the moment she comes out, they want to get up in her lap and they want to sit in like her lap at the table and they want to yeah. like get in her chair to like ride out to the car. Like, they love it. I know. I think there's something like really beautiful there too, if we like think about that, because kids don't have like all of those preconceptions and like judgments Mm -hmm. and like, so they're looking at it from this like, this is super fun and like, I super like this person and they're not looking at it like something is wrong with you. Yeah. And so it's like that beauty of when you can like receive that kind of love from a child in that kind of position, there is something really healing about that. Yeah. And they're just seeing you as you. Yeah, they're like, oh, this is a part of it. And I love you. Awesome. I know. There's like no pity. There's like no, you know, they don't have all that weird stuff going on in their heads yet. They're just very innocent. Absolutely. Oh, that's so sweet. So you were saying that part of the thing that was hard for you about sitting, taking the wheelchair to Disneyland is like 
that people do because you physically don't look necessarily like you should be sitting in a wheelchair. Right. And so people are like, why are you in that or like judging you in that? And I wanted you to kind of talk more about that. I know we were I said it in a couple times in here um, because we've talked about it a lot that the invisible disabilities and like the way that people can treat you when you don't necessarily, it's not obvious that you have limitations. Right. Well, and I think it goes back to like, we are our own worst critic anyways. Mm -hmm. So then it doesn't take a lot from someone else, even just saying something like, what happened? And like, I don't Mm -hmm. think there was like, you know, malintent behind that when they asked me that. But it puts me in a position of being like, well, nothing happened. And then they're still looking at you and you're like, I have rheumatoid arthritis. Like that now I have to share a part of my story that maybe I wasn't ready or willing right, to share right. with you. Like, and I, I don't, don't know you. <laughs> right. Like you're yeah. just some person in line behind me at Disneyland. Like yeah. I don't want to, I don't know what to say to you right now, but now you've put me in this position. And so now I kind of have to, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, that like just being mindful of like asking people questions, like there's curiosity, but there's also like just not seeing as it as a problem, right? right. Like the wheelchair doesn't have to mean that there's something wrong with you. Right. Mm. It can just be an assistive device that allows me to be me. Right. Absolutely. And what, so We were talking about this earlier and I uh, keep harping on it, but I want you to keep talking about it. What other like we were talking about fibromyalgia as an invisible disability. Let's kind of talk a little bit about some of those that are people that are listening that um, can just better understand like, hey, there's people that are suffering that it doesn't look like they are. Mm -hmm. And to just like have your eyes open to that. Right. And so even like just talking and prepping for this podcast, I was like, oh man, I'm kind of a bad daughter to my mom. Mm. Cause she has, do you know what I mean? Like it didn't, it like is opened my eyes to be like, Mm. I do feel like I push her sometimes because it doesn't look obvious Mm. or it's not something that I'm struggling with. And so like, even just talking to you about like, oh, these, you're right. It, It is easy to be like, no, come on, just walk up my 10,000 stairs to get to my house. No big deal. When It's intense. It's a lot of stuff. I know, it's hard for me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm but not like, coming. No, it, I'm <laughs> I, I I'm t- keep wanting to talk about it because it really did yeah. affect me in a way that you're like, you're right. It is absolutely easy to like forget that people have these struggles or limitations. And like they do, I feel like people that it's not as obvious. I think people that even it's obvious are ignored, right? Totally. Like absolutely. But especially. But also the people that you're like, oh, you just have said you had fibromyalgia or whatever. And you're mm-hmm. saying like you're having a flare up, but it doesn't look like you are. Yeah. And you can walk up these stairs to watch my daughter. No big deal. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. speak a little bit of that. Like, what are some of the invisible disabilities that you think that maybe people aren't aware of? Or like, I know fibromyalgia is one of them. What else were we talking about? Just anything that like chronic pain. Yeah, chronic mm-hmm. pain. It doesn't, I mean, that doesn't even have to be related to autoimmune at all, right? right. That could even be like injury from an accident mm-hmm. or um, like just wear and tear on your joints or whatever. But if right. you have chronic pain or like back issues, that's a really common one. I think that like somewhere I read it was like more than 80% of the disabilities are invisible disabilities. Mm, yes, that's wow. what you said. That's it's why. I- it's a huge percentage where you're just like, really? Like, wow. So the RA, the fibromyalgia, the chronic pain, the mm-hmm. back issues, even vision issues, yeah, I was hearing just thinking issues. about that vision. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, anything like that is it's invisible. Like you still look like you're fine. And right. so people still kind of require or expect you to be able to do the things that they're able to do. And it requires you to be like able to speak up for yourself and to kind of advocate a little bit and to not push back or give in and just do whatever they're asking. It requires mm -hmm. you to kind of stand up and say, well, like, that's not really going to work for me. Right. Right. And I love that your advice is just like, how can I support you? Or even like just talking about this, like, okay, I need to ask my mom, like, hey, how can I, like, is this going to be hard for you? How can I make it easier for you? Like that even just changed my way of thinking. So mm. thank you for letting me harp on that. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, what have been some, I know we just talked about some of these already, but what have been, and I just think that we always talk about like, what are the hurtful things mm -hmm. that you have experienced? Just because I feel like that is easier to understand mm. what not to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so whatever you feel comfortable with, what has been some of the hurtful? I know you were talking about people just asking you, like, what's why, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you sitting in this wheelchair? But what are some other? I know you have a story about yeah. driving that I want you to talk about. Yeah, there was that. Yeah, I was going to an event. And so, you know, how when you're like pulling into a big event and they've got all these different like parking like attendants, they're mm -hmm. kind of like flagging you where to go. And so when you have I don't even like this word, but handicap pass. I just call it my handy crapper. I know. I was going to say, well, you better say the word you use. Because <laughs> I have to like make light of it because I don't like the word handicap. So I put that up on my like windshield so that they know to direct me to the disabled parking, right? Otherwise, they're just going to file you in with like all everyone else. And so I put it up and there was this like young, he's probably a teenage, like maybe early 20s, if that. And so he keeps he kept like flagging me to go the other direction. Like he's pointing me to go with mm. all everyone else. And I'm pointing at the handicap pass and I'm like, uh, no, yeah. I need to go. Like I could see the disabled parking at that point. And so I'm like, no, I know I'm supposed to go left right here. Like I see it. And he's like shaking his head. And so I rolled down my window and finally like, you know, got all the way up to him. And I was like, I need to go to the disabled parking. And he was like, you do? Why? You don't need and I was like, uh, you're actually not supposed to ask me that. Yeah. Like, yes. That's like so against so many different things. And I realized I probably just was like throwing him off of like what he was expecting. But at the same time was like, just so you know, like please don't ever ask that question to anyone else. Yeah. That is very like dismissive. And mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to justify why mm -hmm. I have this pass. Like if I have it, just trust that. Like, just uh, my show doctor, me which direction to go to that parking spot. Yeah, yeah, my doctor gave me this pass, and so don't worry about it. Like, you're yeah. not supposed to police this area. <laughs> I like that you told him that, though. Yeah. Because he he was a young kid, I'm sure, didn't know, but now he knows. Yeah. And I respect that about you, that you stand up for yourself, and that you're, like, letting people know, like, that's not actually great to ask people that. Yeah. Actually, yeah. just show me where to go. <laughs> I was able to put my anger in a container, Kathy, and I just had a moment with him and then I went to my parking no, but space. I do think that that's like, I think it's easy to not want to make somebody feel bad or whatever. Sure. And then, but really it's like, no, I want you to know that this is actually not the way to do it. Yeah. And, you know, a moment that I guarantee he's not doing that again. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. And he's thinking, he has to think about it like, oh, yeah. It's not just a, um, I'm not thinking about other people type of thing mm -hmm. or whatever. So um, it probably didn't feel good in the moment for him, but I feel like that that was super helpful. 
Yeah, I wouldn't for both. try not to be like shaming or like be really defensive or get really like, you know, aggressive with people. But at the same time, you kind of still have to say it. And sometimes yes. that directness is uncomfortable. But I would prefer, you know, that people can deal with that and then maybe have a different response. I always respect if I say something that someone corrects me like, hey, actually, that's kind of, you know, like, especially when I was younger, I remember mm-hmm. I asked somebody about their parents dying or something. And she corrected me because I said it in a weird word or something. I was like 19. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that she told me that. And it really did make me change the way that I talked to people. It's because mm-hmm. you're seven. It's because <laughs> stop it. No, but I'm being real. Like, I feel yeah. like that is like a loving thing to do to somebody is to be like, hey, I'm going to let I'm going to stick up for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let you know that I can probably tell that you're not doing this to be mean, but it's actually really rude yeah. Yeah. when you say that. And this is a better way to say it. And that's what the girl did to me because I was mm-hmm. young. And I remember obviously being embarrassed in the moment and like, oh, and she's like, I know you're not doing it to be mean, but I was really grateful for that. Yeah. And it did make me think of the way I approach things in the future. Mm-hmm. So I like that about you, Brandy. Thank you. It must be because you're a number one. I don't know. <laughs> You won with the wing 27. <laughs> not a thing, Kathy. I know. Not that's a why thing. I did it to don't, make you guys so don't upset. Give people misinformation. <laughs> that, right? I love that. Just it's Chelsea Kale. Don't do that. But <laughs> on the flip side of that, too, Kathy, because that example was somebody who was really young. I've also had like older, an older gentleman who was like, oh, what are you, a cripple? When parking, <laughs> oh, no. like when pointing at the handicap oh. pass, like that. Some no. of it was probably joking and some of it was maybe not. I don't know, like just language use, right? Because yeah, right. when you think about like generationally, like it changes, right? right? And like if you weren't part of that change that happened, like if you're not in the know, then maybe you're still using outdated language. Yeah. Tell us the no-nos. Cripple will be yeah, one of them. Sorry, cripple. that got, cut me off guard. Cripple is, yeah, that's a hard one. I was like, ooh, I like literally, like my face was like, ooh, you can't say that. And I, that was exactly my response to this person. And they were like, I what can't. What a one. What a one. I can't. And I was Stop like, it. well, it's just, it's kind of demeaning if you just, yeah. just so think about it. Like, just maybe that's hard for your brain to understand but like just think about that like I don't want to keep talking about it right now and make it more and more weird just like ouch think about what that would feel like for someone right right yeah is there any other words that are like a hot well I don't like handicap pass I mean I kind of already said that but Mm -hmm. that just like implies again it goes back to like something's wrong with you right right like you're handicapped no, I, I'm not handicapped. I might need some assistance in some ways, but like I'm still a valuable person. Absolutely. I, I don't need like pity or, yep. I don't know, to feel ashamed maybe of like who I am. Mm. So sometimes the the language can reflect that, right? So like totally. that's that like person first language, mm-hmm. right? Like I am a person and I have rheumatoid arthritis. Right. And right. Yeah, just kind of take keeping those things in mind when you're talking, speaking to people or about people. So what has been like some helpful things for you along your journey with this, like resource wise, books, like whatever, anybody that's listening, that's like dealing with something like this or someone that they love is dealing with this. What do you what things helped you personally? Yeah, I would have to say um, the Arthritis Foundation 
is one of those big, like my rheumatologist plugged me in with that <clears throat> right away. And so that was like something that provided um, peer support network and um, even like parent support for children who were diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and so there was just a lot of different connections there that could kind of give you like a little more sense of community and not feeling so alone. Um, as far as like uh, books, I would say Falling Upward by Richard Rohr. That was like a pretty pivotal late 20s, maybe early, probably late 20s, maybe early 30s um, moment of just kind of understanding that like life isn't black and white. It's mm. not either or. It's usually mm. both and. And so that kind of like changed the way that I spoke to myself and the way that I looked at the world. And so that was like very helpful um, for me. I would say Bible verse. Um, I kept receiving gifts. <coughs> gifts. Um, and also I kept using, um, like I kept seeing Jeremiah 29, 11. It was mm. one of those things where I don't know if it's like when you buy a new car, then you notice all the new cars. It was like, this was the verse that like everywhere I went, I was like, there it is again. Mm. There it is again. And it really was so helpful. Like, especially with that, like really long, um, flare up of just feeling like I'd lost everything. Mm. And I didn't know what I was going to do with my mm. life after that. And because my like dream as a little girl was to be a nurse. So it was like there was a lot that that was lost with that. And so it was like, you know, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to like prosper you, mm. not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And so that was like I just kind of like clung to that during that time, knowing that like I don't know what this is going to look like in the end, but I can like lean into this promise. I love that. Yeah. In the hard times, I'm the same way. I like cling to like certain things or a book will really get me through. And I always love people to kind of give what helped them get through some of their darker times. And so I wanted you to share that. And thank you so much for that. Yeah. Brandy, you're a gem. Thank you. I enjoyed being here. Thank you. Both. We've enjoyed you. Thank you for letting me talk about you walking your cat obsessively. Did she really let you or you just did well, it anyway? allowed it. Okay. I don't know. Thank you for um, letting me talk about the Enneagram in the wrong way, Chelsea. She did correct No, but you. honestly, thank she you so much. I, I personally have learned so much from, from just you and preparing from yeah. this episode. And I just know that this is going to be incredibly helpful to many. And I just thank you for sharing your story and um, letting me ask you the same thing over and over again. Thank you, guys. <laughs> You're welcome. So the resource that she gave for the Arthritis Foundation is arthritis.org. And so for anyone looking for more resources um, there, that's the, the web address. And we'll go ahead and put that on our Instagram and we'll put it on um, the show notes for the podcast episode as well. And I want to say thank you as well for coming and talking about your life and what it is like for you living with RA and... Um, I just think the more that we hear people's stories and Absolutely. what their life is like and we can gain compassion for people's experiences and learn and just be curious about who people are and and just be better people yeah, to people. I, I'm just know? grateful for people who are willing to um, to speak to let people see those things so that there can be the opportunity for that curiosity and that 
um, that compassion. So thank you. And you can connect with us on Instagram at talking about the no-nos. And you can email us at talking about the no-nos at gmail.com. And as we always say, find your safe people to talk about the no-nos with.